0: W-Y-S-L, Merry Christmas There's a conspiracy afoot that's pulling the world into darkness.
1: Information is the new battlefield. Propaganda, disinformation, and media
0: manipulation dominate the minds of the public. Join us on the Dark to Light Show as we remove the head of the snake and expose media censorship, social and cultural engineering, and the unfolding global conspiracy of the New World Order.
1: Welcome to Machine!
0: All right, welcome to the Dark to Light Show. It is Friday, December 23rd, 2022, and Joe Biden is still the most incompetent president of the United States of America and uh, here we have, we have Josh, that's me, and Jim over there. Jim, how are we doing today?
2: Hey, it's me. I'm Jim. Jim Price. Good to see you guys. Thank you, Josh, for having <laughs> me. And uh, yes, we we are seeing the, uh, I mean, they don't really need an individual that has any kind of common sense at all to sit in that position if they can just prop them up and do as they want. Uh, we're going to spend another $2 trillion today because... You know why not? What else can you do right before Christmas?
0: Well, it's almost three trillion because he signed the uh, the National Defense Authorization Act as well today. Oh well. <laughs> Oops, we got that one under the radar. You know, it was funny too because like <sighs> I, I go to Twitter, right? Yeah. And and you got many like pundits on the left that are like. These Republicans and their National Defense Authorization Act—it's just nothing but, you know, supporting the military-industrial complex. And, and then Joe Biden signs it, and it's crickets.
2: Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, I, I guess I guess that if we continue to believe in the process in which they're doing, the process that they're doing it in will continue to exist. Is that
0: correct? You're absolutely right. Our that. faith in it, right? You know. I'm I'm gonna go. uh, I I said I wasn't leaving my house this weekend, but you know what? I might I might go visit Santa, so I can sit Mm -hmm. on his lap and whisper in his ear and let him know what I want for Christmas.
2: (laughs) Josh, you gonna tell us what you want for Christmas?
0: I I want my country back, Jim. I want my country back. I I want America. I want America.
2: It may not be your time, buddy. I mean, can you wait till next year? I mean,
0: we we just got so much more money to blow through. Well, you know, I thought I had my opportunity in twenty sixteen and, and then twenty eighteen and twenty twenty and then obviously twenty twenty two. So I'm getting a little impatient, Jim.
2: Well, I you know, Josh, uh what is it, uh <laughs> good things come to those who wait? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just just wait. It's going to get so much better with $3 trillion more trillion spent in 2022. Well, I heard it's going to
0: get worse before it gets better. I, was, I had Dr. Kirk Elliott on my podcast last night, and we're looking at this, and we're going, this is not good. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, okay. Okay. So here, let's go the other way of that. If it do, If we don't pop this, it will never get better. No. How about that? Let's take that point of view.
0: It's a perpetual system. It has. Of fear. We
2: have to pop this.
0: Good. Yeah. No. It's a perpetual system of fear, and that's what they do: is they they manipulate the minds, the emotions, and the thoughts and the ideas of Americans, and they're mm-hmm. doing it to the point where we we destroy our own country. Isn't this what uh, uh, Yuri Besmanov said? The the Russian uh, former KGB agent reporter guy who got asylum into the United States and then died mysteriously. Yeah.
2: This mysterious death stuff's got to stop. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I'm just going to go ahead and call that out. I'm just kind of tired. We we need to get with having these mysterious deaths.
0: The well, well, how about this, Jim? Jim? Jim, do you have like a lot of friends?
2: I got, I got a lot of friends. I, I really do. I'm very fortunate.
0: Okay. So. Like I, I know a lot of people, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, and this is a tough topic, right? Is like, you know, how many friends do you know? In your whole life, that have kind of you know went down that road and 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 did the bad thing, they 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 took their own life, they committed suicide. How many friends do you know?
2: Right. I've only had uh, that have actually done that. I would say I've had a cousin back uh, thirty years ago do that. Okay.
0: So. so. That's the closest it's it's me, a rare I mean. phenomenon, right? It's it's kind right. of a rare phenomenon for you know maybe some people have three or four, and I can understand that, and, and those are hard lives. But but right. do you know anybody who has over sixty people that they're acquainted with that had direct relationships with you? Sixty. People I don't know of anybody who knows suicide. sixty
2: people who have just died of normal stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean no no uh, yeah exactly sixty people have died of normal stuff. Let alone. Suicide. You know, in some of these suicides, they were um, double gunshot wounds to the back of the head, you know, three right. shotgun shots to the chest, all deemed suicide. Um, uh, hung with an electrical cord after shooting yeah. yourself. Yeah, hung with an electrical cord like after shooting yourself, hung from a tree in the middle of a field, um, yeah. that there is no way possible that person could have gotten up on the tree themselves. I mean, you know, but this is Hillary Clinton that we're talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. And,
2: and again, we say Hillary, but old, old Uncle Bill was – I mean, he's in there. I mean
0: – Billy boy. I, yeah,
2: yeah. We kind well, of that's what good happens when him, you have those
0: deep connections to Jeffrey Epstein and the Mossad and, and other types of uh, intelligence agencies, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a cool kids club. I call it the cool kids club. I say that – listen, guys. You 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 told me yesterday I wasn't part of the right gene pool which I you know come on we we're, we're all hoping we get the right genetic lottery right just so we don't have you know whatever but at the same time there's a cool kids club that obviously he slipped into and whether it was through going along to get along or selling off his soul or whatever it is he's a part of it he's he's in there but then the problem is is you have to maintain the prid pro quo, which is what they're used to living in, is I got to keep this balance of I know enough dirt on you. You know enough dirt on me. We don't kill each other. And I don't know if I would want to live that exact life where I'm having to think I've got to keep enough junk on Josh and Josh got to keep enough junk on me that we keep everything same, same. How come – why not just be friends? How about that? I don't have well, to worry about your laundry, my laundry, all that good stuff.
0: That, that's just too easy, man. That's that's just too easy. You know, it was uh it was uh Avril Harriman who actually brought George Herbert Walker Bush to uh to the world. And then it was Averill's wife who basically betrayed uh Poppy Bush and uh supported Bill Clinton. So it was it was her. I mean, he was already governor of Arkansas at that time, and uh, he had already had massive investigations into him for obviously raping and and doing other types of things, money laundering. They were running some big schemes out of there, but right, yeah, the Clintons rise to power was uh, was horrible. It, it should have never have happened, <clears throat> and I think it's one of the uh, the fallacies that have occurred in in American history that have caused this country much strife.
2: Right. Well, and they, they really put the criminal element into politics. I mean, we look at how much we really do accept that politics are this way. We, going back into you know Uncle Bill's you know rise to fame and all that stuff, I mean, we've really been dealing with that for the last 40 some years here, and we don't really want to have that conversation because just after Reagan, but see Reagan was ran by Daddy Bush. We see the puppeteer effect there. We see Daddy Bush going in and completely unaffected, not the leader they hoped he would be. And and so they had to hurry up and get Billy in there. That was their best option. Back then, we didn't realize they were putting in people like they did with the potato we have now. They had to hurry up and put Billy in there because he was a popular guy. He, could, he was charismatic, right? And I didn't know who he was until all of a sudden he's running for president. You know, he's on, uh, what was it, uh, playing a saxophone on uh, – Oh, what was that? Uh, Arsenio. Hall. Show? Yeah,
0: yeah, Arsenio how you, Hall. How do you forget about that? Yeah, so yeah. I could see well, his
2: face, but I couldn't think of his name, so
0: Well let, let let's let's transition away from all this bad news and let's uh yeah. let's let's talk about Christmas time is here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Christmas. Let's talk about Christmas dun, because dun, we, we had the Jim, we had the Yule holiday. Yuletide? tide. You ever wonder where that Yeah, Yule Tide. You ever wonder where Yule Tide came from?
2: I think that's from Alabama. Oh, that's Roll Tide.
0: No, that's a whole thing. Oh, yeah, that's No, that's the Roll yeah. Tide. <laughs> Actually, Yuletide. Yule Tide. So,
2: we have the Yule log, right?
0: Mhm.
2: And then we got Yule Tide. So now we have Now we've we use these things as generic terms and we don't understand the origins of, right?
0: That's exactly that. So, do this you use do you of know la, the, the uh, English language? So, so, what is, where does the word Yule come from? Do we know?
2: No. I'm going okay. to play dumb on this one. I have no idea.
0: Yule, or Jol, or Yulu, is a f- festival historically observed by the Germanic peoples. Scholars have connected the origins of Yule to the Wild Hunt, the god of Odin, and the pagan Anglo Saxon Manhanuet, or Mother Night. Wait wait Some wait let president... me ask you a
2: question real quick. Oh, yeah. You said yeah. Odin, right? Odin yeah, what that's the... right. It's Norse. Right. So we're having we're we're having a conversation about Christmas. um a comic book series that we think is very unique to itself but it all it is is just rewriting history that was already rewritten generationally over and over again, right? Well, so it, Captain it, it... America, Odin, Thor yeah. they're all Nordic and old religions, right?
0: Right. They're old, they're old uh, religions and mythologies and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Yule is interesting because this is kind of where we'll start our journey today. And then we'll move into kind of uh, what Christmas was before Washington Irving. Irving redesigned it to what it is today. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight show right after this. Hey guys josh here mike lindell of my pillow has been an amazing patriot supporting president trump and conservative and christian values throughout the last four to five years with everything that's been going on we ask you to go out to mypillow.com and help support mike lindell as well as myself and this show the dark Light show with using promo code rpp to save up to 66 percent on your purchase
2: Dark Delight with Josh Reeb on the WYSL stations.
0: All right. Do you hear what I... Jim, do you hear what I hear? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, Jeez. we're starting to get into the origins of Christmas, and I, and I love this story, because there's so much that's actually encompassed here. Now, we were just talking about Yule, which it it can be Germanic in origins, or actually you can take this up into Scandinavia and and, and attribute this towards the Norse people, and so the worship and so forth. And this really is celebrating the time of Yule is celebrating the winter solstice. And so, this is (laughs) interesting. So, in recognition of the return of the sun, fathers and sons would bring home large logs which they would set on fire that people would feast until the logs burned out which could take as many as 12 days what yeah and that's where you get your yule log nice
2: so it, it's a uh it's it's it, okay so this is part of old systems mm-hmm. it's part of old traditions old habits old ways we did things they've been tied into cultures regional cultures you know then larger geographic cultures we've somehow spun them into a comic book series and a movie series and so all these things are so interconnected while we say well we we believe in merry christmas we believe in the, in this time of year but yet we can see these ties back but yet we see it in the modern media culture that we have kids and adults chasing with thor and the other
0: ones as well right 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 well how about this now odin was actually represented By a a large evergreen tree and that the Norse people would go and cut down large trees and drag them into their living rooms and decorate Mm them. Isn't that interesting?
2: So you have the whole idea of bringing in the evergreen to what? to, To stave off the shortest day or the death of the year.
0: Well, so the the interesting thing about the evergreen tree is that it is the one tree during the wintertime that does not lose its leaves or change its color. Right. And so it represents this uh, this continuation of life through the death process of which we can talk about in the sense of the – Uh, The winter solstice, winter solstice represents death and resurrection. So if you go to traditional mythology and you start looking into it, the winter solstice time represents the death of the sun. And and we can see this in various pagan traditions Um, to give everybody out there an idea of how this operates. Is that if you looked at the sun every day in the sky uh, from like a window in your house and you marked the position of the sun at noon every day, right? Let's Mm -hmm. say you started on December 25th and you marked the position of the sun on the window every day. It would start to move up one degree every day from that position. It would go to a center point, which we call the equinox, and it would move up to the summer solstice, and then it would turn back around. And at the end of the year, what you would actually have is a figure eight, a big eight on your window. And this is called an analemma. Now, what's interesting about the analemma is the sun increases one degree every day, okay? Right. And there's a 40-day period that occurs between um, winter and then the, uh, the spring equinox. And it's 40 days before the spring equinox is really when this is. And what's happening is the transition between dark and light because on December 21st is the shortest day of the year, so there's less light and more darkness. Right, But the sun begins its transit again, one degree every day through the sky, which means that light is battling darkness. And this occurs in the ancient Mesopotamian areas, within the desert for 40 days, where the struggle ensues. And it's said that you know, uh, God fought the devil in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, and that God defeated him and was resurrected. In and, and the way mm-hmm. that this happens is that the spring solstice represents rebirth, rejuvenation, um, this this kind of, not reincarnation, but resurrection. And this is, the spring solstice is actually where the light transitions. The days start to get longer again, where the light overcomes darkness. And so this has all been built into mythology. And so after that, it goes up to obviously summertime. And after summertime, Which if you look at the figure eight, the analemma, you have the bottom point, you have the middle point, and you have the top point, right? So there's three points. And there's – this is one-third or 33 percent of the transition. So it's at 33. This is the the old Masonic number of which the high point of the sun. So the sun reaches its high point at that 33 percent or at that that one-third of its journey. And it said that, you know, obviously the king reaches the, the height of his temple or the height of his ministry. And then it begins to fall. And this is the next month or the next season that we see actually come after the summertime is what? Fall, right? Yeah. And fall comes in and this is the sun actually declining one degree every day in the sky, moving towards the vernal equinox. And once it gets to the vernal equinox, it begins to fall faster. Darkness begins to overcome light until December 21st. On December 21st, an interesting thing happens is that if you watched and observed that sun every day at its point of rising in the southeastern hemisphere, what you would notice is that the sun doesn't increase or decrease one degree like it did throughout the rest of the year. Instead, it appears to sit still. Mm-hmm which is quite interesting. But it it sets as well in the Western Hemisphere at the same time on the con- constellation of Crux. This is the cross. And so right. in, in ancient traditions and mythologies, it said that on December 21st, the sun dies. And it takes three days before that sun starts increasing again, one degree every day. And so three days later, the sun is resurrected. This has been attributed to... Multiple mythologies within ancient Egypt of the the rebirth of Horus, the the, the birth and the death of uh, of Osiris, the resurrection of Osiris, um, the Isisian mysteries. We can take this into the Mytherian mysteries, Mithras, uh, Dionysus, um, mm-hmm. Krishna. A lot of these all have the same parallels that come about. And so, what Yule was really was really um, celebrating here was this transition, this transition of the sun as it moves through the sky, and this resurrection of life and death, and how life and death actually um, is rebirth through a universal cycle. So do we have? So do we have
2: anything that that clears us of all of the superstition and traditions that we've done, and allows us a clear path to see what? what was what is really the truth of what we have done through superstition tradition how do we know what the real truth is then
0: well truth itself is is subjective in this manner right mm-hmm. but when we start looking in the history of things, what's quite interesting is that we we don't necessarily, and I know people can say, you know, we well, we do know the birth date of Jesus, um, but I think that most Christians out there understand that Jesus wasn't born on December twenty fifth. That after the Council of Nicaea three twenty five A D, Emperor Constantine, what happened is they began the convergence, the merging of pagan traditions and mythologies into this this uh, this new religion that had been about 320-something years old that was taking over the Roman Empire. And so they converged a lot of those mythologies mm-hmm. and traditions into Christianity. And right. what you see happening is this kind of like mix-mash of things. And this was controlled for a very, very long time. This is why you also see um, remnants of Saturnalia, which is uh, actually celebrated about 19 days before Christmas, so um, in Rome the winters were would it be harsh. Hanukkah? Well, Hanukkah is a, a Hebrew a Jewish holiday, but
2: right in Rome, they also winters were so many days before that day. And anyway,
0: right, right. Uh, well, you got Kwanzaa as well, right? But in Rome, yeah. winters were not as harsh as those in the far north. Saturnalia, Saturnalia was a holiday in honor of Saturn, the god of agriculture, and was celebrated beginning of the week leading up to the winter solstice to continuing. For a full moon, Saturnalia was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful and the normal Roman social order was turned upside down. For a month, enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals. Businesses and schools were closed so that everybody could participate in the holiday festivals. All crime was allowed and permitted. Around the time of the winter solstice, Romans observed the purge. Juvenilia. Oh, yeah, this was exactly like that. There was orgies, um, all crime was permitted. Um, they They typically would celebrate the birth of birthday of Mithra, the uh, god of the unconquerable sun on december twenty fifth uh, Mithra was an infinite god born of a rock. Some Romans with uh-huh. birthday was the most sacred day of the year, and so a lot of this gets translated into kind of modern day um, modern day kind of Christmas tradition, right Now, this is right. interesting because Christmas traditionally throughout the Roman Empire. OK, this is this is really crazy. Throughout the Roman Empire and up until um, probably the the 1800s to 19th century, Christmas was not a holiday of family and friends and feast and presents. Did you know this? Yeah. And we also didn't have Santa Claus till Coca-Cola
2: came along. I mean, Th- that's really right. I want to get down to it. Advertising.
0: Well, this is Washington Irving who actually created this. But so right. Christmas was kind of this uh This rebel holiday where you let loose. Uh, People would go out and get absolutely sloshed and hammered and they would commit crimes and there would be big orgies. Um, It was more of a paganistic holiday. So this is interesting because... In the 17th century, a wave of religious reform changed the way Christmas was celebrated in Europe. When Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces took over England in 1645, they vowed to rid England of decadence. And as part of their effort, they canceled Christmas. Nice. We're going <laughs> to right back right with more, more. Dark Delight Show right after this. Go, Jim. That's your
2: son. yeah, Josh. You're getting nothing.
0: So I've been I, I telling was just people about, all
2: about these superstitions. You're making them mad.
0: Yeah. Well, I was. Uh, you know what? I'm not here to make people mad. I'm just. I'm just talking about information. That's all it is. It's just information. <laughs> and you know, just information. We were talking about the Puritans, Cromwell, right? England. You know. So, now the
2: Puritans was actually a part of Queen Elizabeth, the original Queen Mum. She was the one that created the more clothes makes more royalty.
0: Something of that nature. Yeah. So this is interesting because that was 1620. But Christmas was not a holiday in early America. From 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston. Anyone exhibiting Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. The Jamestown settlement, Captain John Smith reported that Christmas was enjoyed by all and passed without incident. So th- there were some points that it was and some points that it wasn't. After the American Revolution, English customs fell out of favor, including Christmas. In fact, Christmas wasn't declared a federal holiday until June 26, 1870.
2: Wow. Isn't that crazy? We, so we haven't been doing this very long.
0: No, I mean, this is no, not like it's been,
2: you know, I mean, well, we we haven't been doing this version of it that long, right? This whole Americanized um, craze with Santa Claus and reindeers and Frosty the Snowman and all that other good stuff.
0: Well, it wasn't until the 19th century that Americans began to actually embrace Christmas. It was... Americans actually reinvented Christmas, changed it from the, the raucous carnival holiday of, of, of splurging on alcohol and orgies into a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. Um, it was, I mean, it, you know, you, you were just talking about Coca-Cola. They came out and redefined and made up Santa Claus, utilizing the colors of Coca-Cola, right? Red and the white. This is where that comes from. Um, mm-hmm. We have Washington Irving wrote the sketchbook of Jeffrey Cran, a series of stories about the celebration of christmas in an english manor house we have charles Dixit, dickens who comes out and does a christmas story
1: right. we
0: have the rockefellers um, who basically endorsed and funded multiple aspects of various marketing campaigns that brought about the idea of Christmas, including the Coca-Cola one. We have Sam Rockwell and his paintings. And, and this really redefined Christmas as this point of family, um, the birth of, of bringing it back to the Christian roots and then right. uh, of bringing it about to this uh, modern perspective of commercialization.
2: Right. So we've, we've, we've walked ourselves away from calling it, you know, the winter solstice. We walked away from having this amazing party, but I mean, I guess, isn't that what all Christmas has turned into is, is uncle Joe has too many libations. And then there's always the, well, you're, you know, you're not my mother. And, you know,
0: (laughs) uncle Jim had too many eggnogs,
2: (laughs) too much rum in the eggnog, you know, there I, again, by the way, why is eggnog not one flavor? Did you know there's different flavors of eggnog? Like there's different, like, yeah. I thought eggnog was a flavor. I don't know. Yeah, I just,
0: yeah. <laughs> so th- Thomas Nast actually uh, drew uh, an image of Old Saint Nick that we know today. He was a jolly man in a red and white, a red suit and a white beard. And this came about from um, a very popular. A poem in 1822, the Episcopal minister Clement Clark Moore wrote a Christmas poem called An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, more popularly known today as Twas the Night Before Christmas. The poem depicted Santa Claus, a jolly man who flies home to home on a sled driven by reindeer and delivering toys. The iconic version um, it was obviously immortalized in 1881 when the political cartoonist Thomas Nash drew that image and created the modern-day Santa Claus. And this is kind of where Coca-Cola comes in and utilizes this as a marketing campaign because the colors actually matched. Isn't that crazy? Yeah,
2: you know, that I mean – and then it went from – I mean we got some overweight guy who fits down eight-inch chimney flues. I don't know
0: it makes sense to me I guess and then there's a kids snow listening to this show right now I'm like, oh no <laughs> oh God, Santa Claus the Santa Claus exist he's he just a fat guy
2: what <laughs> what do people well, in Australia do? I mean okay Josh you've, you've, you've traveled the you yeah. traveled this marble, this big blue marble what I mean when you're in the southern hemisphere and you're seeing all this Christmas talk, what do you do down there? you wear your shorts
0: and hang your Christmas lights? Well, Jim, I've heard that Santa Claus actually goes down the chimney the opposite way in Australia. <laughs> he spins the other direction. <laughs> he spins the other direction. Um, he goes head first instead of first. He goes first. head first, right. So this is, you know, Santa Claus and the Eight Flying Reindeer. I mean, you gotta you got to understand where more Clement Moore, actually got the inspiration for this. So in in various Scandinavian and Siberian lore... Um, mm-hmm. The shamans, and so this is very very ancient tradition the shamans would go out there and during the uh, the harvest time uh, around November time frame um, fall right. in November after the uh, the vernal equinox, they would find amanita muscarella mushrooms underneath evergreen trees okay the shamans and this these would be ripe for harvest and picking. And the shamans would go out. And by the way, Amanita muscarilla mushrooms are the red mushrooms with the white dots on them. From Mario Brothers? From Mario Brothers. That's right. And they're immortalized Mm -hmm. within popular culture. And the shamans, to venerate the mushrooms, would dress up in a red coat... What white fringe all over it, representing themselves as the, the caretaker of the mushroom, the sacred mushroom. And they would grab the mushrooms and they would take them and they would dry them out and they would save them for the winter solstice holiday. And during that time, usually you would have layers of snow to, to venerate the, the mushroom gods. They would feed the mushrooms to reindeer. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is because if you eat the amanita muscrum, mushroom, uh, the amanita muscaria mushroom, it, it's really harsh for you. It can make you really sick. So they would feed right. it to reindeer, and the deer would eat it and begin tripping like on a drug trip. And then the shamans would collect the urine from the deer, and they would <laughs> drink it along with the people in the towns as a celebration of the winter solstice. And it was said that the shamans, drug-induced stupor the night of the winter solstice would go around laying presents on the doorsteps of all the houses. Not only that, is you know how they dried the mushrooms out. (laughs) They would hang them in socks over the fireplaces. Oh, isn't this isn't this fascinating?
2: This is, I mean, we okay, but we. Are we not are we not intelligent enough to go back and, and unwind some of this? I mean we've just accepted so much of this as our, our superstition and tradition, right?
0: Well, but isn't that how cultures created, is that you have these kind of like cultural attributes, right? So America was founded. America didn't have much of a culture. It had English culture. It had British culture and British history, and they wanted to recreate their own. And so this made a lot of sense of how they would go back to these old ancient traditions and drag them in and begin to recreate them in their own light. Into their own vision, I I, I kind right. of think it's it, it's kind of beautiful because Christmas today isn't is really, I mean it's a Christian holiday, but it's an American Christian holiday, but it's celebrated right. throughout the world.
2: Well, again, it's I, I just how so how far can we go back until we we get into the real truth? I mean, is the truth is the truth worth more than your feelings, or are your feelings worth more than the truth?
0: W- what truth? Who's truth? All right, I mean yeah. that's, that that comes do down to it? truth, right? Is everybody has their own interpretation of truth. This is something that I talk about using my Friday night shows. Is that <clears throat> we can go to a philosopher and they're going to tell you about all the different types of truth, right? Um, and yeah. you know, empiricism, all this stuff. But but at the end of the day, there's only two truths. Th- there are only two truths. Firstly, the consensus truth, the the ex- the, the agreed upon truth. That's not truth, okay. That's somewhere right. in between. There That's a is a survey. yeah. there's <laughs> the absolute truth, which is God, it's totality, right? It's the right. all-knowing, it's the all, all--omnipresent, omniscient, right? this is the absolute truth. You and I cannot know or understand the absolute truth. That is well beyond our comprehension because if we were, we would be God and we obviously are not. God is the absolute truth. And so therefore we cannot know the absolute truth, but we can have a subjective interpretation of the absolute truth. And this okay. is exactly what we're talking about now is I look at the world, I observe it. I have empirical data that comes into my senses. I look at the world and I go, huh, Okay, if I pick something up and I drop it, it falls down to the ground. Okay, well, we're going to call this gravity. Gravity is the accepted theoretical model that we have developed through the analysis, the observation of empirical data, right? right. But what is it? What's the absolute truth of gravity? We don't know. We probably will never mm-hmm. know. But we have this consensus accepted version. And then if you took 10 physicists that all grew up, all born at the same time from the same mother, right? Tent couplets right. or... You know, uh, deca deca couplets or whatever they would be, right. and they went to the same school, same teachers. Every school went to the same college. All got degrees in physics, studying gravity. And you put them in a room and you asked them what gravity was. They'd all have different interpretations, and the different True. interpretations comes about because they all have their own subjective analysis of what the truth actually is, their own observational right. perspective of the absolute. We'll be right back with more Dark to Light Show right after this.
1: God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay, remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day.
2: Dark Delight with Josh Reed on the WYSL stations.
1: I'm Mr. White Christmas. I'm Mr. Snow.
0: All right. Welcome back to the Dark Delight show and we are talking about Christmas and we're going to go to the going go to the lines. We're going to talk to Charles here. Charles, what's up, man?
1: Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, um I have what? to apologize. I only caught the half part of that Christmas segment and Yeah. I found that fascinating. Um oh, I appreciate that. But that's not the reason why I'm calling. Uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh. What's going on?
1: Uh, no, 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 no. You're good. You're good. Uh, something <laughs> that I discovered back in 94, um, and to age myself, I mean, that was my uh, September of 94 when I was in ninth grade. Um, I discovered that every month has a holiday that the U.S. government collects taxes on, um, except for August. Um and if you think about it, it's, it's more of a revenue base for the government. Um, the only downfall is they, didn't, they couldn't come up with an idea for August to celebrate a holiday. They're of be able to collect that, those taxes, encourage people to go out and get Mother Day's cards or mm-hmm. gifts or if, if you understand what I'm saying. like not that what every we do back-to-school spending is August? Except for August. Um, actually, yeah, so yeah. what I did in ninth grade is I invented my own holiday. I've been celebrating since 95, uh, um, but August 22nd, a non-holiday holiday. But yes, every month has a holiday that the government collects
0: money on. Right. I, I, I absolutely love that because it's so true.
2: Right. Commercialism. Oh, Consumerism, I guess but, I should say.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, if you wanted to find a way to bring in revenue, you know, that's how you do it. Invent a holiday, encourage people to go spend their money, and that's what we do. We we take out loans on our credit card to go, you know, Christmas shopping or, you know, a Mother's Day gift.
0: Well, right. well, Charles, I mean, this, this couldn't have been done on purpose. This has to be coincidental. <laughs> but
1: maybe, maybe, well... Probably. Maybe it started as one. I mean, look at it. If you look at the dates, like when uh, Thanksgiving started, Christmas started, and and, and then all these other holidays, like, I I mean, I love Veterans Day, but think Veterans Day. I mean, everyone goes out and uh, they go grilling. They, They buy a whole bunch of hot dogs and hamburgers and potato salad and macaroni salad, and it's encouraging people to
0: spend money. It, it absolutely right. is. Um, and see, the thing is, is though, they, they could have made a holiday in August. Because you know what we have in August? We have the dog days of summer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we got to go back to school spending, right? We got to get everybody ready for school yeah. in September. So we spend all that yeah. money on crayons, pencils, and Big Chief tablets.
0: Yep. You're absolutely well, right. right. There it is right there. Charles, thank no, you for okay. calling, my friend. Anyway, before you let me go, I just want to yeah. wish you guys a yeah. Merry Christmas and thank you for everything. Thank you much. Merry y'all. Christmas, you Take sir. care, man. Merry Christmas. You know, the dog days of summer, Jim, you know you know what that was all about, right? Oh, uh, refresh me on that one. Well, the dog. Why, why do they call it the dog days of summer?
2: Because uh, they're cat people and they don't like dogs.
0: Well, actually, derived (laughs) from the cat people, this would be the ancient Egyptians. And this Uh represented the rise of the star Cirrus in the sky, which is known as the dog star. And when the star Cirrus would begin to rise over the the, the various constellations, Mm -hmm. uh, predominantly Leo, um, that would represent the dog days of summer, which meant that harvest was uh, about 45 days away. And they they could time. So this is just so we
2: can we, we keep track of things. Yeah. We made these things so we keep track. Like, hey guys, remember, it's Saint Patrick's Day, go out and plant your potatoes. <laughs> right?
0: <Something>, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I
2: mean, seriously, that's when you're supposed to that's where you're supposed to plant your potatoes is is Saint Patrick's Day. If you want to have a good harvest, anyway. Carrots, uh, tubers all go in at Saint Patrick's Day.
0: I, I, I mean, did not know I'm just that. I did not know that. I'm going to plant my, my potatoes on St. Patrick's Day from now on. But, you, you know, when, when we get down to it, Jim, and, and we look at everything that's going on, right,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, it, it's really interesting how what we're celebrating today for Christmas, um, even though it's Americanized, it's the American version of it, uh, although it is Christian in its roots and how we celebrate it today, which is the birth right. of Jesus Christ, also representing the resurrection. Um, that, that we can trace its roots back um, through mythology. We can trace it back through ancient history. That, that for countless millennia, people have been celebrating this time of year. That there's a pattern of energy that is residual that has right. occurred for thousands and thousands of years during this time of year. And, and it, it's really interesting because it, it brings us into the light of this kind of like ancient human tradition. Right, this, this mm. festival that has been celebrated right. on this planet for a very, very long time that we're all taking part in right now, and that we've transformed the symbol of what that is today to be nostalgic, to be about family, to be about love, about caring, about, about birth, right? The rebirth, mm-hmm. the, the birth of uh, the Son of God. And, and it's a beautiful thing to think about it like that.
2: Well, can't we just say, basically, at the end of everything, you know your future is a direct reflection of your heart now, so get your heart right. Get you right. Make sure you're doing what you need to be to be selfless for everybody else. Right? Doing th- more for others and you expect in return. I mean, all these life lessons, all these things we see in these different festivals and things that we're doing out there. But in reality, it's all about making sure we're the right people. Right? So I all I can do is take care of Jim Price. I can't do Josh. I can't. I can't do other people. I can't. That's not what I can't be. Those people. I got to be the best me. So I got to figure this out, right? So I get this right, and then all this other stuff, you know, maybe I can pick and choose here or there. But I can always make sure that whatever I pick and choose is always making the people around me better. Is, mm-hmm. Would that be a, a good washdown or a, a concentration of what we're talking about here?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is. Is that you know we're in this symbolic and energetic time of uh, of low energy where the sun is at its lowest point and it's about to begin this rise back up and and rebirth and resurrect itself. And we can also take this internally to ourselves that if you're out there and you're feeling down or you're feeling sad or you're alone for the holidays or whatever it is, just understand that mm-hmm. this is a time of rebirth and renewal. This is a time to to look back and and do things differently this next year. This is why we have the New Year celebrated on January 1st. That that was actually changed, I don't know if you knew this, but the New Year is actually celebrated in the Roman Empire on April 1st. This is why we have April Fool's Day. Did you know that the the 300... So the Roman calendar used to be 360 days and then five days were added. And the five days were basically called... They're like dead days. They're actually bad days they were omens and so they wouldn't work they wouldn't do anything they would just drink be merry and be happy to try change the injury during that day and they would eject those from the calendar and this is starting on april 1st to april 5th is when they would do this and this is why you have april fool's day but the when did we decide that we
2: wanted to change it from 13 month calendar to 12 month calendar when did when did that happen
0: uh, well that's happened a few various points in history. Um, well, we have the transition obviously into the uh, f- from the Gregorian calendar right to the Julian right. calendar. but that was kind of uh, it, it, actually I mean the Egyptian calendar and the Hebrew calendar are all thirteen month calendars. The thirteen month calendars are representing the cyclic nature of the new moon, the twenty nine point five day cycle of the moon's um, revo- revolution around the earth. And that's where we get the the thirteen month year. Now we actually had a thirteen month calendar in Western society for a very long time, and I believe it was about uh, medieval times that that changed. But right. I mean, that's that's a different story there as well because that changes. He who controls times. time
2: controls the people.
0: Cronus. Well, you know who the god of time is, right?
2: Yep. That's yep.
0: Saturn. And what do we celebrate? What were people celebrating just a few weeks ago? Saturnalia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Father time. Well, Merry
2: Christmas, folks, and a Happy New Year. Remember, the reason for the season is to come together and enjoy each other's time and the pleasure of of each other's company.
0: Absolutely, Jim. I appreciate that. Merry Christmas, everybody out there. I hope you guys have a fantastic holiday weekend, and uh, blessed be. And I be merry, be happy, enjoy family, friends. And if uh, you're alone this holiday season, just know that uh, someone out there loves you. I love you all. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Take care. We'll see you Monday.
2: Merry Christmas, guys. We love you guys. We'll see you. <laughs>